and welcome to the Destinate NZ Show. I'm Michelle. And I'm Chambers. And today is the first in our series of Ask Destinate. Hello to you, Chambers. Hi. How are you, Michelle? Come oh, on. fantastic, fantastic. It's another week. It's hot. And a big welcome back to all of our listeners. It's great to have you tuning in once again. Yeah, absolutely. It's keeping us up in the high ranking position that we've become accustomed to. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's a little bit like because we do bounce around a little bit, but we are normally in that top 10. And when we bounce out of that, I get a little bit disappointed, but um, (laughs) it's one of those things. (laughs) And it really just depends on the day of the week that everybody tunes in to listen to us. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Yeah, but it's all good. It is good, yeah. But it feels like it's been a bit of a quiet week this week, doesn't it? A lot of people have taken an extended break and having a bit of a holiday. And I guess they're we're recording Monday night, so we're, this goes to air on Wednesday. But um, and it feels like a lot of people just started back at work today, which has been nice. But hey, big shout out to all the hospital and tourism workers who've continued to work through the Christmas break and allow us to have some fantastic experiences around the country. Yeah, absolute big shout out to them. Yeah, it's, it's tough, especially when it's this stinking hot. Oh, I know. <laughs> all you want to do is be in the lake or on the beach. But anyway. Yes, yep, that's so true. Well, the lake's warmed up very nicely here in Taupo. I've had a few swims in that since we've been back from our holiday. And, oh, it's just divine because, yeah, it is. Uh, it feels like it's going to be a really long, hot summer, doesn't it? So I think so. And it's yeah. been a really long stint of very good weather. Yes, and no rain, which is no not rain. good for the garden. <laughs> no, or for the firefighters. Yeah, well, true, yeah. Hey, but look, before we move on, let's just send our thoughts out to the people of Tonga um, mm. after that enormous eruption on Saturday. Did you hear any of those sonic booms down your way? No, <laughs> no, same. It was it was quite funny because we when we first heard that the, the eruption had been heard here in New Zealand, we were like, oh, surely not. People are just imagining things. And then I jumped on Twitter and actually saw that there were so many people who had gone outside because they could hear these booms and didn't know what it was. And I was like, well, we, yeah, we missed that completely here. But yeah, yeah absolutely. Wow. Yeah, I know. Unbelievable. And how scary for the Tongan people. I mean, some of the footage that's come out from mm. people going down to the beach, watching it un- unfold and then seeing the tsunami come and having to run for the hills. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I guess there's not a lot of information coming out of Tonga yet, but that's yeah we hope that they're all okay and they've managed to evacuate quickly and of course up in Tutakaka we've had our friends from Dive Tutakaka I don't know if you saw their photos but there was some huge swells hit the mm. Tutakaka marina and mm-hmm. fortunately Yaron and Kate's boats are okay by the sounds of things but the marina's been damaged and a lot of boats have been damaged so it's going to be millions of dollars but I guess at the end of the day when you put it in perspective boats are just things that the insurance company can come in and fix and it's really the people of Tonga that we think about and hope that they're all okay. Yeah, absolutely agreed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, kind of had enough really, haven't we, with COVID feel, for two years? And <laughs> does feel quite quite never-ending, another thing thrown our way. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. Hey, so Chambers, last week we put a shout out for our listeners to nominate themselves as a guest or somebody that they wanted to hear from on the show. And we've had some awesome suggestions come through. So it just proves the talent that we have in our industry. You know, we're 52 episodes in and most of those we've had special guests. We've barely scraped the surface, but... um, yeah, it's, it was awesome to have those. And we will be inviting a lot of those people onto the show over the next few weeks. So keep listening in for future episodes. And mm-hmm. we also asked you to send in any questions that you might have about marketing or tourism questions so we could try and answer them for you. And today is our very first episode of that special series called Ask Destinate. Yeah, awesome. I know I'm excited about this one. (laughs) So yeah, so I guess what we're going to try and do, we've got a few questions here. We'll see how we go for time, but we'll try and get through at least two of them for you today. And we're going to summarise those, or I'll summarise those in a blog post on DestinateNZ.com. So if you get to the end of this episode, and hopefully you will, (laughs) you can then come over to the website and have a look at that blog post so you've got all of the tips in one place. Place. Yeah, perfect. Cool. So are you going to kick off, Michelle? Yeah. So the first question that we had come in was from Katie, and she writes, would love to hear your suggestions for creating a successful advertising campaign for my tourism business. I'm just not sure the money I'm spending is leading to additional visitors. Very good question, Katie. And why do many ask? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. And do you know what, Chambers? It's something that I've been really tuned into over the holidays because, of course, I've been in the car traveling around listening to the radio I'm I've you know I have been on social media I've tried to take a little bit of a break but there is a lot of competition at the moment for eyeballs and ears Mm -hmm. and um, over the summer because all of the tourism businesses are obviously out there trying to get their share of voice in a pretty crowded market to encourage people to come and visit them Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely One stood out to me, and I'm not going to name the attraction because I don't want to offend anybody, and um, that's certainly not the the purpose of this episode, but there was one for a rather large attraction that I know you and I have both visited, and it was a radio ad that just went along the lines of, come and visit ABC this summer. We do this and that. You'll see this. You'll see that. Book here at... And and I wow. yeah, and I sort of thought, oh my god, that's actually really uninspiring for the experience that I know you get in that business, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we could have changed the name of that business for any other tourism business in New Zealand, and I reckon it would still be accurate because so many of us focus on the what we do. This is what you'll see. This is what we do. This is what we have. Rather than actually getting back to why, what problem are you trying to solve for your customers? Why are you in business and why do people want to come and experience it? So anyway, so let's get back to the question because I like to (laughs) get (laughs) get off track a little bit here. But I was thinking back going, okay, well, how did we, or how have I done this in the past? And when I think back, 
to the most successful campaigns that I've run over the years, they tend to be the ones where you can really connect with the customer. So you need to hook into their emotions. And mm-hmm. we've had a, a chat previously about Simon Sinek and how he says, start with your why as people make emotional decisions and connect yes, with your why. So it's only when you really understand and can articulate your why that you should then go on to your what, as in what you offer, what you do, and how. As, and that's the why you're different. What are you doing that's different to everybody else? So I guess I looked at it and I went, well, in my business planning sessions that I do with clients, I always ask them, what problem are they trying to solve for their customers? Now, this is a really interesting one because in tourism, I can guarantee you nine times out of 10, the answer is always the same. They go, we're here to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And okay. Which is that's, true. Which that's is true. true. But I don't think the why of why we're here is, oh, because we want to have fun. (laughs) (laughs) And as certainly we talked about, it's not because we want to make a profit either. But, you know, if if we imagine, you know, imagine if every ad said that, oh, Mm -hmm. we're going to have fun. Oh, this is fun. This is fun. You're going to have fun. Well, you wouldn't stand out, would you? No. So I would encourage you to dig a little bit deeper. You know, people will happily spend money if they know that you're going to do something for them, as in fix a problem or meet a need. Absolutely. Well, that sounds great, Michelle. But do you have an example that we can talk about? Yeah, I do. So I think back to the 2016 Life Pass campaign that we did at Mount Royal Peihu. Mm-hmm. And I was given a sales target and a relatively small budget for the campaign. Right. And it was a pretty hefty, well, it felt like a pretty hefty sales target based on previous sales that, uh, campaigns that they'd run in the past. Now, it would have been really easy for me to say, hey, look, go and ski for life. It's basically the equivalent of eight years of season passes. You also get additional discounts and benefits as a life pass holder. What are you waiting for? Come along and you know, buy one. And that's that, exactly what it does, right? Yes, yeah, that's, that is the what, right? But we actually dug really deep in this and said, okay, well, this is a big investment. So it's, you know, you're talking six grand for a, a life mm-hmm. pass. So we spoke to real customers about, their lifetime on the mountain and really dug deep into why they wanted to have these life passes and why they'd bought life passes in the past. And it really came down to family time spent on the mountain, their sense of achievement in, you know, becoming competent skiers, the fact that their kids were having active holidays and not sitting at home on on games and screens and the friends that they'd made and the time they'd had together on the mountain. And it was really neat because we brought in, we used for our, even for our photo shoots and the video shoots that we did, we interviewed real people and real customers and really wow. got to the nub of that emotional connection. And mm-hmm. it must have resonated because we blitzed the sales target. Nice. <laughs> almost two and a half times. And yeah, it was the most successful Life Cut Pass campaign we'd ever had. And I think for me, that was a bit of a turning point and saying, well, actually it is. It, that's really true that if you can really emotionally connect with your customers, that's when Mm -hmm. you'll see those breakthroughs in successful campaigns. Mm -hmm. But 
you know, the message is only just one part of that campaign. It's it's around what's your brand's tone of voice? What words do you want to incorporate in your messaging? And which ones do you want to avoid? So have a look at what your, your competitors say, because you actually don't want to use the same words that they're using. You want yep. to stand out and you want to be different. What imagery do you use and which ones do you avoid? So a classic example, and I'll, I'll come back to Mount Ruapehu there, is we never showed the peaks of the mountain because they're sacred. So we had, and of course, you look up at a beautiful mountain and that's generally what you're looking at, right? So mm -hmm. we had a very specific set of what we could and couldn't do in that space. And things like, do you use emojis and which emojis are okay and which ones aren't? <laughs> because if you're going to hand this to a marketing coordinator or a social media coordinator, you want to make it easy for them to stick to the brand so they're not actually <laughs> jeopardizing any of that hard work that you've done. Yes, and then, absolutely. Yeah. And, and then the final part is obviously who are you talking to? Who's your audience? And who is your ideal client? How old are they? Where do they live? What are their interests? Where do they consume media? What brands do they like? Know as much about them as you possibly can, because this will help you narrow down an audience. And trust me, you will be way more successful when you're able to do this. Yeah, so like we've talked about it before, Michelle, but personify, right? Personify yes. that customer. Give them a name. Yeah, give them a name. What clothes do they love to they wear? wear? What brand car do they drive? Where do they shop? Don't mm -hmm. just say, I want to target Auckland, you know, mothers. <laughs> and that's yeah. it. <laughs> it's, it's way too broad. So, yeah, work out who your ideal client or customer is and really nail down and drill down into that so um, you can successfully target them online. Mm -hmm. And then finally, and these aren't in any specific order, I've just sort of done a bit of a brain dump here, but the other important thing is you need to set out what your objectives are from these campaigns. And this is what we always say, if you don't have a goal, you've got nothing to aim for, right? So this is exactly yeah. the same in a campaign. What are you wanting to achieve from this campaign? Is it awareness? Is it conversion? Are you just wanting people to watch your video online? Mm -hmm. So what's your budget that you're going to spend to be able to do this? So as I said, these aren't necessarily in order, but I think when you can determine your objectives, your messaging and your content and audience, you should start to see some really great results in your campaigns. And of course, at the end of each campaign, it's really important to reflect on what mm -hmm. worked well, what didn't, and determine what are your learnings and opportunities for the next campaign that you do and write them down. Because mm -hmm. if you're not there, let the next person have the benefit of your learning so they know what to do better and keep improving next time. So Katie, Absolutely. I... Hope that's helped a little bit. <laughs> this has been a bit of a ramble, but they would be kind of the key points that that I would look to. Have you got anything to add, Chambers? No, I think you pretty much covered that one off actually really well, Michelle, but it is very, it, my biggest thing I would have said on that one is the reflection is so important Yeah, because you will get learnings out of it and you might discover something that you didn't even realize was a huge success mm. that resonated so well with your customer base. So you want to keep that traction going if you do realize that and utilize it again in your next campaign. Yeah, exactly. And particularly if you're doing A-B testing with your ads on social media or your digital platforms. So yeah. you can actually start to track which images, are what 
words are resonating with people, what images are resonating with them, what what is the click through click rate, through. yeah, mm. and your conversion rate on each of the mm-hmm. ads that you're running, and and see if there's a formula to that. So even if you're trying to sell a different product or experience next time, what can you learn about that customer to, to absolutely adapt into your next campaign? And it could be something as simple as one demographic prefers one kind of picture to another. Mm. You know, could be males like this kind of image, image, whereas when females prefer this image with this voice and tone. Yes. Yep. Exactly. So when you do another campaign that's specifically aimed at either of those, you know what to use. Yeah, totally. So look, we've still got time, but um, we've got another question that's come in here. And I think this is a perfect one for you. um, because (laughs) I, (laughs) I know that you've got a lot of experience in this space. And so this one has come through from John, I think. Yep, John. Mm-hmm. I get bombarded with influencers asking to collaboratively work to help promote my business. Can they actually help? And if so, how do I know which ones will? Mm-hmm. Good question, John. <laughs> In this day and age of uh, influencer marketing, it's really hard to know. And as an operator or works in an operation, this is a very usual question that comes through for us on a day-to-day basis. We get influencers emailing in, asking to work with us. So I do totally understand where you're coming from, John, and I hope I can help. by sharing- Well, you have helicopters and ski planes, so that doesn't surprise me that you get bombarded with influencer <laughs> requests because yes, that's but- a pretty popular thing to do right it is and And jumping out of planes yes exactly and a pretty spectacular imagery to share on social platforms so tell us how do you make those decisions chambers when you get those emails yeah well okay so first and foremost in short my answer would be yes and one of the key statistics i'll just give you here is that actually influence marketing is set to become a 15 billion dollar industry by the end of this year wow Influencer marketing is huge and there are what's called micro and macro influencers, which we may go into detail on another show later down the line. But for you, John, one of the questions to answer this question, if you're a tourism business, I will go from this aspect, then and an influencer arrives at your business, I'd be looking at how did they get there? Did they arrive through from Tourism New Zealand or was it your local RTO? Because if this is the case, then they will have been vetted for a very good reason as to why they will be in your region and why they would like you as a product to host them, whether it be Mm -hmm. on a flight or whether it be to have a nice accommodation, so on and so forth. So that makes it really easy with those types of influencers when they've come from TNZ or the RTO, because they've done hard work. They know that they're going to be great within the region and they're collaborating with them. It's simply you're giving your product as a familiar. However, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't peek and find out what they're all about and have a look at the content they're creating. And does it still fit with your brand? Just because the RTO and TNZ say it should doesn't mean it definitely should. So you've got to make sure they are communicating and engaging with their followers in the right way for your brand and your products Mm, Um, and here's one of the reasons why influencer marketing is going to be so huge because I found this fact out as I was researching about influencer marketing there are now 3.97 million social media users in New Zealand that is 82% of the population currently use social media 82 
That was wow. our target. That was our target for our vaccinations. <laughs> it was. <laughs> and That's 56- amazing. Totally. And 56% of these users are on social media for more than an hour each day. Yeah. That's huge. I'm probably one of those. (laughs) I think think we all are. We all are at times, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, totally. They do have a massive influence. So it's definitely worth utilizing them where you can and when. So let's say they've come direct to your business. They've emailed you and asked to work with you and they'd Mm -hmm. like to use your product to promote let's not forget themselves as much as you the content works on both grounds for both parties so be really clear about that first thing I would ask if they haven't already sent it through is get their media kit if they are professional enough to be asking to work with you collaboratively then they need to have a media kit this is a breakdown of who they're communicating with and engaging with what those demographics look like, whether it's on what platforms they're on as well, because that's really important too. You might not be on TikTok, so why do you want video content being shared Mm. on TikTok that you're not necessarily going to see or engage with? So just be really mindful about the platforms that they're using and how that's going to affect, you know, promoting your brand and product. And then also ask your other operators in the region, are they have they been approached and are they going to to work with them possibly even reach out to the rto and just let them know that this influence is going to be in the region does Mm. is it something they're interested in and again if that is the case they'll go through and vet them too and give you a bit of a heads up plus don't forget they have a much bigger digital team in your rto and they can tell you pretty quickly if this person's likely to fit your brand or not so always a good good port of call for that one And then when it comes to what you actually want with them creating content, make sure they create content that you actually are going to use and they and that you will share or they will share. And you can ask for things like extra photos or extra video content on top of what they post at the time when they're at your experience or Mm. at your accommodation. For me personally, I'd say video content is key. Especially right now, you know, it can go across all channels on social media, be it YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Sometimes how you record that video is really important as to whether you can use it on reels and carousel and things like that. So get schooled up in that information, because when you do ask them for what you want, make sure you make it really clear and really specific of how many photos you expect, how much video you're going to get and how you want that video to be presented. It's a contract. Engage it like it is a contract. Um, It can be a simple email where you've made it really clear what your expectations are and when you want it to be delivered by. So while they're on site, they might be doing a whole heap of posts and stories and live feeds. But yeah, once they've left, you might want some back that you can use and rehash later on down the line. Hmm. So... The other part that I would probably say is um, wrapping up and to be sure to engage with any influencer that does ultimately email you or contact you to be involved with you. Reason being, they're an influencer. They're in this game of influencing people and communications key. So even if they don't work for you right now, maybe you can say, hey, thanks. Really appreciate that you've reached out. It's not going to work for us right now. However, can we recommend X, Y and Z for you? And, you know. At the end, they will be so grateful and that will be a great thing for them. There's no negative hard feelings. So that's cool. Mm. Yeah, that's a good idea, isn't it? Because you never know that micro influencer may become 
uh, a major influencer in future. And if you've just ignored them mm. when they're on their way up, well, they're probably not going to want to know who you are when they get to the top. <laughs> correct. Correct. Yeah. So, yeah. And just like you would with every customer, just, yeah, engagement is key. So, yeah, from start to finish. And I guess I have one more tip that if you are using these micro influencers and you have a booking system, that allows you to hold, safely hold a credit card when you're making a booking, I would strongly suggest you take their credit card for that. And just like it stops or prevents no-shows, even if you haven't charged the card necessarily, because you've got a card on file, you'll be surprised how much more you get back when they know that there may be a chance if you de- they don't deliver, they will have to pay. Interesting, interesting. And Chambers, how do you handle, and I'm guessing that you might have these sorts of requests in your business, but in the past, I've had requests saying, well, you know, I'd like to come, I'm an influencer, but I'm bringing four of my mates um, who are great skiers or really good talent and they'll appear in the videos and can they all come for free as well? Well, I guess for me, then there's that it's all about the value proposition, really. So, you know, how much product and let's go full retail product, because that's Mm. what you have to put it on. That's what you're going to be investing in them. And you need to make that really clear with them. And I'm sure you would have at the times, too. So if you're quite right, if they were bringing their friends, who are they? What's their engagement and what's their traffic like on their social media sites? Because let's face it, they'll have them too. Mm. So here's the total value of what's going to be going out there. And this is what my expectations will be from you specifically. And then from the other four that are joining you, I would say it's the easiest way to deal with it. That's that's really good. I, I remember years ago when influencer marketing kind of first started and yeah. there was a big market in actually buying Instagram users. And so you mm, get a lot of requests right. from people saying, I've got 100,000 Instagram followers and I need your product for free so I can share it. And then you'd actually have a look through their feed and go, yeah, but you only get one or two likes. I get more than that on my personal my, page. Yeah. Get alone yeah. my business page. So it, it comes down, I think this day and age, it's very much around that engagement piece as well, isn't it? Because you want mm-hmm. to know that their audience, whilst you can see the numbers at the top to see how many people follow them, you want to know that the content that they're putting out is actually resonating, like we just talked about previously, is resonating with their audience and that they're getting that engagement because that's when the gold will happen for you. They'll see that. And I know Mm -hmm. I've been influenced. Mm -hmm. I've bought stuff from people that I've seen and not even necessarily influencers, just people I've seen go to certain places or they've bought a dress and I've gone, that's lovely. I'm going to look at that dress shop and yeah, well, credit cards coming out. (laughs) It's the digital version of word of mouth. Let's face it. Yeah. Yeah, it it really is. is. And the other and you're absolutely right, Michelle, about those demographics. But it's not just the engagement with those groups. Like, are those groups of people they're engaging with your demographic? Because if they are, then they are they're going to be influenced to come to your activity or your place to stay because they are your demographic. They're who you're trying to target. Yeah, it's really important. Mm. Yeah. Great. Oh, that was fun. Thank you for that. (laughs) 
I enjoyed it too. It was a good challenge. You know, well, what yeah. part of the business should we talk about today? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We've got a few more questions that have come in. So we'll probably do this every few weeks just to kind of t- take a break away from interviewing somebody. And if mm. everybody loves these questions and all the answers, well, obviously we'll do more. So just let us know this is your show out there, listeners. We're just mm. here to keep you entertained, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> and inspire you with some marketing and- ideas. <laughs> exactly. And it is the start of the year and I know a lot of us sort of come out of that Christmas rush and whether you've had a break or not or you've just been working the front line like you have Chambers it's kind of starts to be about this time now where you get that bit of breathing space to say okay what am I going to do this year so yeah great time for us to to bring these questions out and provide Mm -hmm. some tips and answers and that's what we're all about and so thanks everybody for listening in once again thanks yeah We will be back next week, next Wednesday, 7 a.m. And we will have an exciting special guest next week. So stay tuned on our social media channels for that. And don't forget to leave a little five-star review if you're on Apple or Spotify. We'd really, really love that. So thank you. Thank you. And kakite. Kakite. See you all next week. Bye.